Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. And welcome to the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. My name is Philip Rosmanreich. I'm the co-editor of Orlando Magic Daily. And yes, we know there are two more games left on the schedule, uh, if I can publish this uh, before Friday's game against the Brooklyn Nets. But the Magic are headed to London. Uh, it's been a trip that I know a lot of Magic fans have been looking forward to for, for a very long time. Not necessarily the ones in the States, because the Magic do lose a home game in this process, but... Uh, They'll be heading over to London. I know there's a lot of Magic fans over in London, and it's obviously a huge opportunity to represent the NBA and a huge opportunity uh, to, to be in a kind of national spotlight game for the Magic, uh, to be frank, over on NBA TV on Thursday. And to help us get a sense of what it's like in London and, and to cover the game for us a little bit, uh, we have our good friend uh, on the blog, our, our good friend James Plowright of the Lottery Mafia and a few other sites as well. Uh, we'll have him fill that in because I'm sure he writes writes for a few, few other people as few people as well. But he'll be working for us uh, for the next week or so, uh, covering the team while they're in London. James, how are you doing this afternoon, evening, late night? <laughs> What's the time? The time difference is what five hours? Five hours from Eastern time. Yeah, I, I'm actually better at telling the time in the U.S. than I am in my own country. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you live when you live on the NBA schedule, that tends to be the thing. Like New Year's Day just came. And people are like celebrating New Year, and I was just like, "Well, it's really just the middle of the season. I mean, the, the New Year doesn't start till July 1st. <laughs> no, very true, very true. But uh, no, I'm good. Uh, looking forward for Orlando and Toronto coming over to NBA London this year. Um, it's always a great event, um, and yeah, really excited for a couple of days of work next week and to to go speak to some players and coaches. Yeah, and and this this event that that the NBA's had, they've had a they've had a regular season game in London now for what the past two or three seasons. Uh yeah, I think it stretches back a little bit further than that. I think the okay. last 3 years. Um I've been to the last two. Okay. Um last year it was the Milwaukee Bucks versus oh, I'm going to test myself here. The Atlanta Hawks. Um it's like I think uh, no, it's the Knicks. Bucks versus Knicks. Yeah, it was and the Bucks year Knicks. before it was Hawks versus Nets. Okay. Um, so, so I've been the last two years, like you know. And again, highlight of my year is the one day year I get to kind of put all that NBA knowledge or the writing I do and actually kind of speak to some guys firsthand and kind of get some of the questions in to some of these guys, which I don't normally get the opportunity to do while kind of covering the NBA from the other side of the pond. Yeah, and, and of course, the, the Magic were supposed to play the Nets in 2012 during the lockout-shortened season, but the lockout uh, killed killed that off. And I know a lot of a lot of Magic fans are disappointed because surprisingly, the Magic have... I don't know if you, you, you know this or not, but the Magic surprisingly have a lot of fans in London, I think dating back from their trip there in 1992. Uh, to, they played an exhibition. They played a couple exhibition. I played one exhibition or two exhibition games against Dominique Wilkins and the Atlanta Hawks during uh, Shaquille O'Neal's rookie season. Uh, so, you know, there's obviously a connection uh, between the Magic and London. We'll 
maybe dive into that in, in a little bit. But, you know, having been to this event for the last two years and kind of being an NBA fan in London, what, what is this event like? What, what does it mean to the basketball community uh, in, in the UK to have the NBA kind of set, set up shop for a week? Um, honestly, it, it doesn't mean as half as much as you guys probably think it does. Um, <laughs> the NBA game is not really a game for the basketball purists. It's more of a, an event. Uh, London is a very cosmopolitan place. You get lots of footballers there going to watch the game, sitting courtside and the camera, the kind of in arena cameras on the footballers and everyone's booing if it's a Chelsea guy and cheering if it's an Arsenal guy. You know, you have people going like dressed up in stilettos with the hair and makeup <laughs> done. And people are generally going to kind of for the event, not to watch a good game of basketball. Um, and it, it's just kind of, uh, you know, oh, NBA's in town. Let's go along, do something fun. Uh, I'd say I, I once took the, the first time I went, which was a, a preseason game between the Sixers and the Lakers in Manchester, um, which is the season before last. I actually took a quiz with me and in the people in my kind of seating area, I went around and I asked everyone to fill in that quiz. And these were not hard questions, uh, very basic, you know, who's leading this team and scoring, things like that. Um, and I was actually shocked by how poorly how bad the results were myself. Um, I knew there weren't going to be a bunch of great NBA fans, don't get me wrong, but like some of these people honestly didn't even know the teams names of the teams that were playing. It, it was that bad. So a lot of the time, it's people who bought tickets as a present, something like that. Um, there's not that many basketball purists who go. And to be honest, there's not that many who can afford to go because tickets for this event is expensive and it sells out within an hour. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. A number one question I got before tickets went on sale was, "When do tickets go on go on sale?" So, I mean, I'm, hopefully there'll be a few more basketball fans. Uh, but it it definitely sounds like it's kind of like uh, for. I mean, this is a perfect example right now. Um, in in Orlando, we have what's called the Florida Cup right now, and they've brought in a few pretty well known soccer teams, some from some from Brazil. So I think we'll get they'll get some good fans for that. But uh, they're definitely trying to to bring in some soccer fans for the novelty of it and kind of introduce people to the sport, even if they're not quite familiar with the teams, teams or whatnot. And, you know, to maybe the NBA's defense, they haven't sent over the best teams in the world quite yet. You know, you're not seeing LeBron come into town, I think, or like a Kobe Bryant come into, come into London. And maybe, maybe that would bring out more of kind of the, the NBA, the pure basketball fans. And they're just, it's just kind of a game out there. It, it seems like, um, you know, is there any truth to that rumor that they were explaining the rules over the PA system in one of the years? I, I remember hearing something like that. Is it, is the basketball knowledge that, that basic still over there? It is pretty basic. I mean, I, I don't recall that ever happening. It certainly didn't happen in the last two years. I was there. Um, but you don't really kind of need it to happen. The last two games I've been to, quite frankly, have been blowouts. Um, I, I And the the crowd literally just cheers for whichever team scores. They, they don't pick a side. It's just cheering for who does the coolest stuff. Um, the most that people have seen about basketball are things from the dunk contest and the three-point contest. And there's like one and a half minute highlight clips. People aren't going to sit down and watch a two and a half hour game all they're watching is like the top plays from the previous season, things like that. And people are going for those kind of moments. So when like last year, Giannis, you know, threw an alley-oop, caught an alley-oop dunk and put it down, that got the biggest cheer just because it was an alley-oop. It's something that they've seen in movies. Gotcha. It's something that they've done on games. Displays and that's, that's what you go for. 
Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's all like if there's the Harlem Globetrotters, they people would probably be happy. Gotcha, gotcha. And 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 so hopefully uh, Scott Skiles plays Aaron Gordon a little bit, uh, maybe a little dash of Mario Hazonia. Uh, get get Oladipo out in the open court. Get Victor Oladipo out in the open court. Uh, They'll get some cheers for that. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Uh, besides besides kind of the the game itself, what what other events happen in and around the city or, or involved in the sport? Do, do you do you have a do you have an understanding of of kind of the the, the side events that that the NBA brings to kind of help grow the game, grow the grassroots of the game in, in London or in in England and as a whole? Yeah. Well, they normally. They don't really do too much to grow the event. So the NBA have just started a, a new campaign actually in partnership with Premier League football clubs called Premier League for Sport. It's actually a campaign that I used mm-hmm. to work on. And what they do is just to get the, the football, the soccer clubs, as you call them, um, to draw um, kids in with their names. So, so Manchester United basketball competition. So people go because it's Manchester United. Gotcha. Uh, but then they actually coach basketball and they've just started like a mini NBA. So kind of each team is given its own franchise. So they're called the Orlando Magic. They're called the LA Lakers. They're called the Charlotte Hornets. And they're playing in like a mini league. And that's something that has just been launched and it's being part funded by the NBA and they're working with Basketball England. Um, but on... The problem is Basketball England currently receives no funding from our government or very, very minimal funding as after it got all cut after the 2010 Olympic Games where GB Basketball basically failed to win a game um, despite leading Spain with a minute and a half to go and losing out to, I think, two, three-pointers in the last five minutes. They, they've just cut all funding. Basketball England fell apart. Um, you speak to anyone involved in basketball at any level within the United Kingdom and people just talk about how Basketball England is a joke. Um, you know, their best players, Luol Deng, hasn't played for GB Basketball in the last five, six years because GB Basketball can't pay for their insurance. Yeah. Um, the whole feeling of basketball in England right now is just, it's not a positive one. Um, and... They, the NBA have just started, like I said, this mini NBA event. But in terms of actually increasing participation, they're not that involved. They do do side events. Like they always take one of the NBA teams when they come to London to Chelsea's ground. They've done it the last two years. And they get pictures with Didier Drogba and different footballs and stuff like that. And they kind of like crossing over sports um, because, again, that picks up more promo. It gotcha. gets more gotcha. hits. It gets, on more, kind of pe- it gets more people in the, in the stadium and gets, you know, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um and they, they have an NBA Cares event where they'll, you know, bring kind of people from the local community uh, in and they'll get some of the NBA players involved in that. And that's always great to watch every year. But it, they really haven't breached out them, branched out that much. And I think because the NBA realized, I don't think there's a massive pool of talent uh, in the United Kingdom. Obviously, there's a lot of money there, which is something that probably intrigues them. Um, but I think things like NBA League Pass, getting people to watching basketball is probably the first key. They're not really helping people get involved playing basketball. Yeah, I mean, and that's 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 really interesting because I mean, I think most people in in the U.S. and you know maybe even around the world see basketball as kind of the the growing sport around the world. I think most people, I mean, I I would argue this that basketball is probably the second or third most popular sport in the world. It's certainly the most popular. American sport around the world. Uh, how, I mean, it, it's interesting to bring up this comparison because I do think that a lot of what the NBA is trying to do here is is economically driven, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, they, they do see a growth market in, in, in England, in the UK to 
kind of build their business and grow their business. And you hear it every, every few years that the NBA wants to put some teams in Europe. And London's always mentioned, even though there isn't the strongest basketball culture there. Is, is this event in any way similar or dissimilar to what the NFL tries to do with London? Because, I mean, I know in, in the U.S., especially in, in, this part of the, in this part of the country, because uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars um, always seem to be playing a, give up a home game to London just because they're not the strongest home draw uh, in, Jackson, in Jacksonville, Florida. And, and Shad Khan, of course, owns the, owns the greatest, uh, owns the greatest uh, football team in all of, in all of London in the, in the Fulham Football Club. Uh, but uh, um, I, I, I kid, I wish. Um, but uh, but is it is it any way similar or dissimilar to what the NFL does with with the London with the London games that they have? Very similar. Um, in fact, when I generally describe it, people and I tell them I'm going to NBA London, sometimes people look at me with a big black black bit of a blank face, and I say, right, you know what the NFL does where they play a game in London, and people go, yeah. I'm like, it's that, but basketball. That's how I have to describe it. Um, the NFL is, for me has done a better job so far kind of pitching itself over here. I think it's a more, not in terms of participation, I would definitely say basketball is a higher participation sport than American football in this country. But in terms of people tuning in to watch or going to attend, I definitely see NFL as being ahead of the NBA, which the, why for that? I'm not quite sure if I'm being honest. I, I personally think the NBA is a, a more exciting game. And I've had a lot of people tell me the NFL is too long. It's boring. It's too stop start. And the NBA is quite different to that. Um, but so, so far that definitely seems to kind of be the running theme. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see these, these, you know, these kind of quintessentially American sports try and push their way, way into that marketplace uh, for sure. Uh, just kind of, Getting getting into into a little bit of this game as, as I mean we were talking a little bit beforehand um, about you know how you know you obviously write about the team uh, how how do how do you follow the NBA from from London I know we got a, a five hour time difference so you know games start at around midnight I know I have I have a lot of followers in, in the UK you know they're they're begging for earlier start times I think actually the Magic had a had a 5 p.m. had a 5 p.m. start time on a random Saturday because they were put in the uh, international television window for for you know games all around the world uh, when they played the Kings earlier. Uh, but but what's what's the experience like as a fan if you are an NBA fan uh, trying to trying to follow the NBA? It can be tough. Um, I mean, I have league pass, which makes life a lot easier. So. You know, I can stay up till 2, 3 a.m. and watch games. Or if I can't, I can wait until the day, come home from work, and I can catch up on it the next day. And it's, it's all there for me. Um, I understand I'm in the minority. The majority of people, especially for getting into basketball, aren't just going to go and buy League Pass because it's very expensive. Um, only until, I think, about two years ago, uh, a channel over here called BT Sports started showing NBA on a Sunday afternoon which obviously they have the earlier tip-offs in the USA. And that, that's been a massive help, actually, getting people interested in the league. Um, Sunday afternoon, evening, there's not a lot of sport on. Soccer normally finishes about 5, 6 p.m. There's no competition on at that time. And, you know, it, it's normally, generally good games picked on the Sunday afternoon. Not always, but generally. Um, so that's that's kind of been, that's a lot of people's kind of way in. It's just catching up on BT Sport, and then from there, people's interest generally seems to snowball. In terms of staying up with the game, 
again, a lot of people use a lot of websites with the websites like Fansided, trying to feel like they're part of the team. Because that's one thing over here that you're very cut off from any other NBA fans. Then there's not, you know, I don't have many friends who follow the NBA. So in terms of my interaction, and if I want to have intelligent conversation with people, I have to reach over to the USA to have that. Because if I wait around to kind of speak to someone about basketball who actually understands anything, then I'm going to be waiting kind of months. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of crossover with the US media. A lot of people will go there to get that. Um, but in terms of watching the game, it, it is difficult, especially with that time difference. Games generally start at midnight. This is this is Eastern Conference, Eastern time. Start at midnight here. They finish 2 to 30 a.m. God forbid an overtime. Um, I know at times, I'm sure many European fans just want the game to be over. <laughs> I think I think um, sometimes when games go to overtime, uh, American fans want the games to be over. Certainly, certainly the journalists <laughs> do. Yeah, especially if you've got deadlines to meet. So, yes. Um, and then West West Conference, I think that's one thing that I really see is that a lot of these Western Conference teams aren't getting the European following that they could do because they're so much harder to watch. You know, one of the team that I, I watched, the Hornets, who've been playing in Golden State and Phoenix re recently, and the, the Golden State game didn't start till 3.30 a.m. my time. You know, and I, 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 how am I going to watch that? It doesn't matter if it's a Friday. It doesn't matter if it's a Saturday. That's, like, there's, that's there's no. There's no way I'm going to watch that. So, obviously, the good teams right now is the Warriors and it's Stephen Curry. So, they are more popular than they were. But I still think there's a big draw to these Eastern teams, the Cavaliers, the Magic, the Bulls, the Raptors, all Miami Heat especially, the Nets, the Knicks, because they are more watchable, they're more accessible. And also, from people going from the UK to America – those places are a lot closer. You, you know, a lot more people go to Florida on holiday. They go, you know, for a weekend visit to New York and they catch a, a Knicks game. You can't just nip over to LA because no, it's, you, you know, it goes from six hours up to nine or 10 hours. And you, you kind of, that may seem trivial, but it does make a difference. And it's more expensive to fly there as well. So you're going to kind of go to the, you're going to go to that place that's closer to you geographically. Yeah. And I think certainly there, it's no, it's no, um, coincidence that that you've seen only east coast teams or eastern conference teams make that trip over to london for for this mid-season game obviously it's been a little disruptive to the it'll be it will be a little disruptive to the schedule um the magic i think are coming off a stretch now where they've played six games in nine days they'll they've got one more back-to-back -back before they make the trip to london uh, they're flying over monday they play thursday they'll have a friday saturday sunday off and then they'll play again monday on uh, on martin luther king day in, in atlanta actually so they got a Take a little quick trip up up after the uh, quick. Take a little quick trip up north after the uh, the trip across the pond. Um, just just a quick thing I want I want to touch on because we didn't get to earlier is um one thing that I one reason I really think the Magic have so many British fans is Dwight Howard. Um, yeah. Not just not just because of his play, but his performance in the dunk contest back in was it. Oh. 2010 am 2000, i wrong it would be it would have been 2000 superman yeah superman, it would have been yeah. 2008 i think it was the 2008, 2008. contest that that got around that that managed to get into circles that didn't like basketball um really? the dunk con that that kind of really brought life back to the dunk contest people going you know what is this amazing event and if I go into a Foot Locker store now you've got Carmelo jerseys LeBron jerseys Steph Curry jerseys and for some reason, you'll still have Dwight Howard jerseys. And you'll Magic have Dwight a, Howard jerseys or Rockets Dwight Howard jerseys? Magic Dwight Howard wow. jerseys. 
because you still you still see them around now. If I go to the game, I guarantee there will be more Dwight Howard Magic jerseys at NBA London this year than any other jersey there. I can guarantee it because he really was a cult hero, Superman. Like he's just someone for whatever reason he really kind of translated and became a very popular over here. And I think that's one of the reasons there are so many Orlando Magic fans. And I think if you speak to a lot of them, they'll say, you know, some of the older ones, yes, the roots might go back to the 1990s when they came over. But the younger ones, I wouldn't be surprised if Dwight Howard was their way in, watching him in the dunk contest and it kind of building on from there. That's, I mean, that's 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 really, really inter- interesting to me because, I mean, I know, uh, uh, I mean, they probably didn't follow, you know, step by step the 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 entire Dwight Mayor uh, that happened in the 2012 season. Actually, the year they were supposed to go over to London, and I know a lot of fans were really excited, you know, not only to see the Magic, uh, but certainly to see a, a potential championship contending team at the time uh, in that Magic squad. And yeah, no, that's that's really that's really kind of kind of surprising me. I mean, I mean, I know like the highlights and dunking is uh, is a way in for a lot of people just to be amazed with the athleticism of of these players, but yeah, I mean, even like it's been it's been seven hard to believe it's been seven years since that dunk contest, and uh, it's I mean it's just it, it, that kind of blows my mind that 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 you say that. Um, I mean, if I was to show someone who didn't like basketball and I say, "Do you want to see something cool?" Yeah, that Dwight just, Howard yeah. dunk contest is one of the things I show them. Absolutely. Um, and I, I I think that's just what it is. It's it's a really simple little thing, but that's it. So I mean, so then when you know, we'll get into the uh, into the current team a little bit more in a bit. But would that mean that a guy like you know Victor Oladipo, who was in the dunk contest last year, he didn't win it like Dwight did in 08, But it would would it, would Victor Oladipo be the guy that's going to be on all the on all the posters, you know, dunking and and you know, people are going to be begging him for you know to throw out a three sixty at some point during during the game or during a practice or during some type of session where the public is able to watch him or. So, I mean, the Magic have some dunkers. The Magic have some dunkers now. They, they do, but no, no one, if, if I'm being honest, no, no, no. one that the, the general public are going to know. Yeah, I, um, I, I, like that's, that, that, that's one of the things when I went to the Sixers-Lakers game. I said, can you just write, when I handed out the quiz to people around me, I just said, look, can you just list who's on the, on the roster? And about seven, eight of the 30 sheets I handed out had Kobe, and that was it. And yeah. they, they didn't even know his second name. It was just Kobe. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. So, so um, the star, I mean, star power I'm, definitely I, still holds a lot, and and frankly, the Magic don't have any right now, as as the second returns of All Star balloting revealed pretty pretty straightforwardly. Unfortunately, so. Um, you know, looking, you know, as so, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's still just boggle. That's you know, that's just mind blowing. That that I mean, it's not mind blowing that dunking is the way people get into the game because that that that's the case even here in the U.S. Like people will go out and see a great player or a great dunker just to see him do something amazing. I mean, Vince Carter still, I think gets a lot of cheers around the league because of what he did in that dunk contest. So I guess it's not too surprising, but uh, hopefully Tobias Harris isn't offended to be seeing a lot of number 12 jerseys in, in the, in the, <laughs> in the building that aren't his um, looking at this matchup a little more specifically, because it is a regular season game and, um, you know, you're someone that that does follow the NBA, and 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 we got into it a little bit there. Uh, what's I mean, is is there any buzz about the teams that are coming specifically, or is it just the fact that there's an NBA game? You know, you know what the, there was buzz 
about is that you get a lot of people, you don't just get British people going to NBA London. You get a lot of European gotcha. people from Africa. People, I've met people from South America who've traveled across. Because it's a regular season game as well, it carries a certain level of prestige, which the, the diehards from kind of internationally, when they get to play in Milan and they play in Brazil, like the Magic did earlier in the year, the diehards go and they're like, this is cool for an experience, but this isn't an NBA game. And some of those do make the trip. Um, so a lot of the time, a lot of the foreign and the international players get extra cheers. So like of you know Vucevic, Evan Fournier, I wouldn't be surprised if those two marry Hazonia. You know they'll have a lot of media. They'll have probably media coming over from Croatia to inter- in- interview Hazonia. Media coming over from France to interview Fournier. And then kind of with the Raptors as well, they've got you know the likes of Bismack Biombo on their team, Bebe, Lucas Nogueira. I'm probably murdering some names right now. <laughs> no worries. I think I think I think they sound okay. Um, Luis Scola, Jonas Valanciunas. So the Raptors are another team which are kind of full of international guys as well. So I think that's something the NBA probably look at because they like to have a nice selection of kind of nationalities there to represent. Um, so I th- I think that's one thing that people are looking forward to is, you know, seeing a guy from their country, you know, that that's a really kind of big thing for a lot of people. Um, and I've met people who come over before literally just to see, just to see one guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's the case in a lot, lot of ways. And uh, it, I mean, and it feels like to me, I mean, I don't know what Toronto's tourism numbers are, but I would imagine that, um, you know, there, there is obviously a, connect, a connection culturally between Canada and, and the, and the United Kingdom. Um, uh, for for Orlando itself, I know the UK is the is the location that the second most amount of uh, foreign tourism comes from um, after Brazil. Brazil actually, I think, passed the UK uh, for most visitors to the Orlando area in the last two three years. And so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Magic are kind of looking at we're angling for they've been angling this trip for a while now. Obviously, it wouldn't surprise me if they were looking to do much of the same thing that they've done with Brazil and get, you know, ticket packages surrounded on, on, on holiday or be able to get with travel agents to, to have magic tickets included in, in travel packages to, to the Orlando area. And obviously bringing your product directly to the people to, to show them in, in, in your community, I think helps, helps do that. Do you get, I mean, do you get us, I mean, again, just kind of, there, there is this weird connection between Orlando and, and UK and London um, whether it dates back to the '92 or, or, or something else, do you, do you get a sense that there's a little not, not extra buzz that it's Orlando, but that you know people are a little more intrigued because of of where the magic come from? Um, I mean, maybe I'm just making uh, all this up. Who knows? No, no, no. So you're absolutely right that a lot of British British people go over to Orlando. There's a guy who I know right now who went over to the Orlando Pacers game from the UK um, recently. And his family went on holiday to Orlando and he got media credentials to go to the Orlando Magic game. So there's definitely a link. Uh, You probably did. Um, You know, I might be going to Orlando myself this summer. It is a popular place to go. What I think Orlando have done is I think they're probably got ahead of the British public because I think the British public probably won't even put two and two together that this team from Orlando where they've gone on holiday and, you know, a popular tourist destination is coming to London. But once they go to Orlando, they'll think, oh, that team came to London a few years ago. So I think Orlando being really clever about just getting ahead of it, I would not be surprised if they did incorporate ticket packages and stuff like that. 
Um, I know it's one thing that a lot of people do when they go to the USA. They go to the city and they kind of try and catch a baseball game, an NBA game, or an NFL game, whatever's on, depending what time of year. Um, so, no, I, absolutely. I, th I think it's something that Orlando probably have been angling towards because of that kind of tourist side of things. Um, definitely. No, I, I think you've got a good point there. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I mean, sorry for the little sidetrack side there. It's obviously not your expertise. Your, your expertise, though, is the NBA. When, when you look at where the Magic are, you know, someone, you know, again, as someone who maybe doesn't even watch them every day, as someone who kind of follows them from afar and is getting ready to cover them, what, what do you see in, in this year's Magic team? Um, you know, obviously for the Lottery, lottery Mafia, you've, you've been following them a little bit for, for the last three years, um, hopefully not as much this year. But, uh, but what, what do you see in this team as, as they get ready to, to, to make this trip and, and play in this game? Coming into the year, I, I really liked where Orlando was um, in terms of the prospects they had. I wasn't sold on their shooting. And I was also worried that they're a very young team. And I thought, you know, I think they're going to be an interesting team this year and they'll probably get to 30-odd wins or so. But they're not going to really be in the race for a playoff spot. They have kind of passed my expectations. Um, I think the, they've definitely brought in some more kind of the veteran players. The younger guys aren't playing as big a minutes. Hazonia, Aaron Gordon aren't kind of integral parts of the team. You're seeing more Channing Fry. You're seeing a bit more Andrew Nicholson. Um, so Evan Fournier has obviously kind of stamped his mark on the starting shooting guard spot. So they're a team that have definitely passed my expectations. There's some things that have surprised me, like, you know, Fournier taking the starting shooting guard, shooting guard spot, Oladipo going to the bench. I wasn't sure how that was going to work out. I know Fournier got really hot last year at the, towards the start of the year and cooled off significantly in the second half of the season. And I've, I've kind of been waiting for that to happen again, but it, it doesn't seem to be quite happening just yet. So maybe, maybe he's going to kind of keep on playing at this similar level for the rest of the year. Um, but no, I think Scott Scars has done a great job. Um, they've been a good defensive team up to the last kind of 10 games or so um, where they've really slid. I think not having Alfred Payton for the last four or five has, has really hurt that. I, I read an article on, on Orlando Magic Daily recently kind of just looking at the on-off numbers with Payton and, you know, he was always a, a good defender coming out of Louis, Louisiana Tech. Is that right? Louisiana, Louisiana Tech? Lafayette. Lafayette. Um, and that was one of the things he was going to be known for. So, yeah, I, I they've managed to get around their lack of shooting. Um, I think the, I think Fry coming back and playing well, Fournier coming to fruition a little bit more, Shabazz Napier giving a little bit off the bench at times, although inconsistency. I think that has helped. But we, we saw the other day where they, I think, only hit six or 33 on threes or something against the Pacers. Mm -hmm. they, they are still not a good outside shooting team. And that pick and roll defense right now, they're really struggling with, especially with Vukovic in the middle. And, and that's something I actually kind of want to speak to you about is despite how effective Vukovic is in what he does well, can he, can the team get past the point of his defensive um, shortcomings? I mean, that that's something curious. You, you watch every day. I mean, you might not have an answer. You might be trying to figure that out yourself, but he just seems like he's one of those guys where, he puts up great stats and he is effective on the block, but can, can the team get past it having him at the heart of the defense? Yeah, I think that's that's like that's probably the one. There's a lot of key questions to this team, and, and that's one of them. And I think when when the Magic were looking at, at giving him an extension and preparing for his, for his free agency, 
it was a question that they really needed to come to grips with is like, we've, we've got a center and, and, you know, a lot of, I think the rebuild that the magic did that the magic just, just have started going through was a lot of it was let's not repeat the mistakes of the past. Uh, when Dwight Howard wanted his way out, we were not going to lose him for nothing. We're going to trade him before he hits free agency and make sure we get something in return. Uh, when they made that trade, they, they said, we're not taking Andrew Bynum. We're not going to make the Grant Hill mistake and bring in someone on crutches and be on the hook for a lot of money on a guy who's never going to play for us. And, and they did that. And, you know, they brought in a nice young player, Nikola Vucevic, and, and obviously he puts up points and he produces. Uh, but that defense is hard to get around. And I think he's improved on defense. Um, at the beginning of the year, especially, I thought he was really good. He, he is not a shot blocker and he's never going to be. Uh, but when he gets into a position, when he gets into position, he's fine. The problem is laterally, he's still not great. He doesn't get to his position fast enough at times. And, and that causes problems. And, and in the pick and roll, especially with speedier point guards, he's really struggled with John Wall. He, he, he tries to catch guys instead of, instead of hedging and, and pushing up on the screen to, to keep the dribble penetration. And, when you let a guy like a John Wall go north south really fast, uh, he's he's going to burn you, um, even if even if you're in the right spot necessarily. Uh, and so that's it's something that the Magic have have had trouble getting around. And um, you know when you look at his numbers, it's it's really interesting to me because they're significantly better with him offensively and significantly worse with him defensively. And the trade off it seems for the Magic has been, can we? play defense okay enough that the offense will win out at the end. And for the first 20 or so games, the answer was yes. That yes, we can. We can we can play well enough offensively with Vucevic on the floor or play well enough defensively with Vucevic on the floor um, that his offense will win the day or that, you know, his the offense will play well enough that Whatever mistakes we make on defense, we'll, we'll make enough good plays on defense to, to win that battle. Um, the last 10 games, I don't think that's been the case. Um, and I think it's it's becoming more and more apparent that there there are some issues that the Magic need to work around. And frankly, as, as I've told, as I've tried to tell a lot of people, that's part of what this season was about, was learning what this team is, how they can play in, in a successful winning environment, and figuring out which... Players, you know, they need to keep on the roster and build around and which players, you know, you may be a little more, more willing to, to let go. I, I don't think they should let Vucevic go until they have a feasible center lined up to replace him, whether that's through a trade, through the draft, through free agency, whatever. Um, you, you know, when you the, see, yeah, go ahead. So, re, I mean, it's really interesting because all the things you described Vucevic's shortcomings being are the same as what Al Jefferson's shortcomings are mm-hmm. in Charlotte which is the team that I feel very closely, I follow it very closely. And the way Steve Clifford got around that is by not trying to ask Vukovic, not trying to ask Jefferson to do things that he can't do because, because he just can't do them. It's not that he doesn't try hard enough. If you can't jump, if you can't move and Vucevic quickly, is the same. And Vucevic is the same way. It's, it's, yeah. it's not that he isn't trying. It's, it, there, there are not it's, it's not. And it's not a na- it doesn't come, yeah, it doesn't come natural to them. What Clifford did you got two really good... Well, this is last year. You had Gerald Henderson as your shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Michael Kigilkas is your small mm-hmm. forward. He pretty much left his wings out on an island when defending on the perimeter. He did not ask for the big to step up at all. He There was a lot of one-on-one defending on the wings. There wasn't a lot of help. 
Now, both of those guys were good enough defensively that that could work. And the Hornets had, you know, a top 10 defense for the most yeah. of the year. Obviously, MKG being out this year, it's been a mixture of PJ Hairston and Nick Batum, which at times did work well when Al Jefferson, before Al Jefferson got injured. Um, and, and again, I, I the problem is, I, so I look at Orlando and I think, great, you've got Victor Oladipo and Aaron Gordon, two really good defenders at both positions, even though Gordon might be more of a four, which I know is probably another debate. That's another debate. He's, he's, a, four, he's, <laughs> a, he's a forward. <laughs> so, but then you look at who's logging major minutes with Vukovic and it's Fournier and Harris who aren't yeah. the kind of guys who can do what the Hornets have done. At the same time, if you have Oladipo and you have Gordon, in, then your shooting probably just isn't good enough to run a functional NBA offense, especially with Alfred Payton as well. Yes. So I, I think there are issues there. I do think there's a way around it, but I think you've got to have some kind of defense-first wings. And, you know, you've already got Alfred Payton as your defense-first point guard, you know, he, like we discussed earlier. He's really important to the Magic's kind of really kind of locking in on defense. But getting some more defensive orientated guards who can play with Vukovic, I think, is very important for the team, for him to succeed. If they want to go a different route, they can do, but I agree. I mean, how many centers are there out there better than Vukovic who are going to become available for the Orlando Magic? I mean, like, we're there's, talking. There's, there's not many. I mean, uh, I mean, unless I it's potluck in the draft, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not going to happen. So, and, and, and I think. And I've had fans say, oh, the Magic should go after Al Horford this summer. I'm like, yeah, they should. Like, Al Horford, even even if you keep Vucevic, Al Horford at power forward is, is not a bad option to have because both, both Horford and Vucevic can step out and shoot jumpers, so I don't think they get in their way as much. Uh, but at the same time, Al Horford's – I don't think Al Horford's leaving Atlanta. Like, yeah, you can throw all the money you want at him, but the Magic tried that with Paul Millsap, who I think would have also really worked well with Vucevic at the power forward position. And – uh you know, he's, it's still up to him to decide where he's going to go, and I don't see anyone willingly leave, leaving that Atlanta situation unless they get lowballed on a contract. Like, there, there are limited options, and, and frankly, the Magic have Vucevic on such a good deal. Uh, you know, the, the extension that he signed with the Magic last summer is such a good, is such a, like, such a good deal for the Magic. Um, paying, exactly. Paying Vucevic exactly. $12 million a year, like, even if, even if you don't think he's your center of the future— you pay him that because it's such a bargain, and 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 I, I mean I I like I like Nick a lot. I, I I do think he's a good and valuable player. I don't know if he's a center on a on a championship or or a necessarily a, a winning team at a, at a very very high level. Um, and so when he signed that extension, I said he's probably not going to finish that extension in Orlando because that deal is just such a a, a good deal to trade. Um, you know, when you, when that piece, you know, comes into place, whether uh, a lot of Magic fans like to point to DeMarcus Cousins as, as someone that they could potentially target if, if things fall apart there. Um, you know, there, it always happens. Someone, someone comes I, available. Do Orlando and, fans not learn? Do, do they just I, love take, taking on these kind of big men hey, with odd personalities? I mean, I, come on now. I mean, I, I said the same thing. It's like, A, I say Sacramento's not trading them. And B, He's got some issues, and if you don't have a veteran in the locker room that he can really respect and, and grow from, I mean, that's that's the shame. Like, on, I, I mean, I think I said this to, to a buddy of mine um, a few days ago. If you have DeMarc, if you take them, if you draft DeMarcus Cousins and not draft him to the Kings and put him on a on an or, in an organization that is functional, you know, I think he matures a little bit. He, he doesn't have the same kind of out uh, on court outburst that he has. He's obviously very, very talented. He's 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 one he's one of the best players in the league, or one of the certainly one of the best centers in the league. 
Uh, but having him in a in a situation where he can kind of run freely without any veteran leadership, without any you know kind of guidance and and what it takes to make it in the NBA, because Sacramento is just such a mess as an organization. You know, from the time Cousins got there to now, he hasn't had. I don't think he's. I think he's had like the average length of his coach coaches is like a year, a little bit more than a year. Like there's just been, there's so much upheaval. Of course he's going to act this way. Like he's already, I also, I also cannot see cousins and Scott Skiles. No, no, I can't either. I, <laughs> I, it would be entertaining just to see them butt heads. And, but at the same, but I, I mean, at the same time, like, I mean, he's obviously a very talented player. I don't think you can ignore the talent that he has, but, um, you know, the way he's been brought up, this is kind of who he is in the NBA too. And, and you know, you can't be that desperate for a star player. You got to wait for the right one. I, I, I tell this to my followers all the time. You know, if, if you want to be stuck in mediocrity, you take the first star you can get. If, if you want to truly win a championship, you got to be patient. You got to draft the right guy or you got you to gotta convince the right star to come, come to Orlando or, or to, come to come play for your team. It, it, team building is not, not easy and... People do get annoyed. I think that it takes a little longer than they want. Um, but the question is, do you want to win championships or do you want to just make the playoffs? And the Magic are, I think, in a really interesting time right now because they're competing for the playoffs for the first time since Dwight left. Uh, and there are a lot of people pushing to make trades to make the team better in 2016, but might hurt the team in 2017 or 2018. No, you, 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 you've you got to stay yet. patient with this group. Exactly. It's so, it's so young. As yeah, I mean, well, if, 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 I, I, I think you're going to get so much development from within. Yes. And, and I think you, you've got to at least give them a little bit of time for that. I mean, under Jacques Fawn, who personally, I didn't, I think was one of, was not, if not the, the second worst coach in the year last oh, you year. Can, you can say that. He, I, I mean, I did completely agree. I mean, I, he was, he was a good coach for the first two years when the team just needed a pat on the pat on the back. Tell them, tell them they're all right. Keep doing the right things. You'll, you will get better. Not necessarily a team will get better. You will get better. And then when they asked him in his third year, okay, time to start winning. He couldn't, he couldn't flip that switch. He couldn't demand, demand accountability because you know he was, he was the guy that patted everyone on the back for two years. Yeah. So, he so didn't, I mean, he, 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 I, didn't, he I, had I the just, carrot. I, he didn't have the stick. Yeah, I just think the magic need to stay patient. I don't think they need I, to I rush into any trades. You know. Win now moves are pointless because even if you add a good veteran to this team, they are still really too young and inexperienced and don't really have enough skill level yet. Like we said, they've still got a a lot of athletes um, who who need kind of refining of their skills in painting, in all the depot, in Gordon, in Hazonia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they're, there's there's they need to learn how to win too. That's that's the other thing. Like, I, I've. I've tried to say this as delicately as I can when, when I'm interviewing when I'm interviewing Coach Skiles. Uh, you know, this is a group that's learning how to win for the first time. Like being over five, being over 500 is a new experience to them. Uh, having teams game plan for them is a new experience to them. Uh, feeling the pressure of a must-win game to stay in a playoff race will be a new experience to them. Hopefully, in February and March. Uh, there's there's a lot of learning and a lot of growing up to do, and they're going to make mistakes. And, and I think right now we're seeing some of the first mistakes and missteps that they're making um, in, in this stretch for the last two three weeks. Um, you know, you you know, one of the things I think that has to be talked about with this team, and and it is that decision to bring Victor Oladipo off the bench. Um, you obviously didn't follow the team, you know, follow the team day to day like I do. Um, you know, you're you're still kind of 
maybe getting a sense of the arguments, but what, what is your general impression on Victor Oladipo as a player himself and the decision to bring him off the bench, you know, accepting these last two games where he started for Alfred Payton? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it I, divides I, Magic no. fans, so trust me, you're just, you're just adding to the, you're just adding to yeah, the, to yeah. the debate. Yeah, I mean, there. I think Oladipo hasn't made the strides we'd hope he has. For, for me personally, I, I think after seeing what he did in his rookie year, at this point, I'd be expecting a little bit more out of him. More consistency, better finishing at the rim. I never thought that was really going to be an issue. Um, I think maybe splitting him and Peyton up might be the best thing for both of them because Oladipo did spend a lot of the time with the ball in his hand in his first two years in the league. I know they played him at point guard at times, even during his rookie season. And Peyton likes to have the ball as well. And, and Fournier is a nice compliment to that. A nice outside shooter, you know, does well working off screens. And having someone to kind of initiate more offense in the second unit, it really did work for the Magic earlier in the year. Now, is Oladipo happy with the role? He was always described as a consummate teammate, consummate pro. Um, at the same time, I know he's a fiery competitor. And, I mean, you'll probably know better than me obviously he won't say anything about, you know, saying like, you know, yeah, oh, I'm really happy to come off the bench, but reading between the lines of what he says, do you think there's any frustration there from Oladipo himself? Um, I mean, he's, he's everything he said publicly has been, you know, I'm going to do what, what I need to do for my team. Of course but it I, has. I, yeah. And, and I think that's all you can expect. Um, but I, I do sense some frustration um, you know, he, I think he, he believes in himself. He has a, he's a very self-confident person. Um, you know, he believes he's going to be an all-star in this league. Um, he believes he's going to be great in this league. Um, and he knows that this is a really important year for him with, uh, you know, he'll be eligible to talk to, to have extension talks this summer. Um, and right now, you know, you can't imagine it. Going, and Fournier will be a free agent. And Fournier will be a restricted free agent. So yes. that's going to be interesting because they're going to affect each other there. It's it's a it's a huge decision this this organization has to make. It's 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 you know it has be. I mean, at, at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of the off season, I kind of floated it out there, like you know, because it was it was interesting. Um, we asked Fournier at, at closing interviews on in April whether he thought he was going to get an extension, whether he'd like an extension. He said, you know, I'd love to get an extension, but only stars get extensions. Like, I'm not expecting one. I got to play, I got to prepare for next year. Like I'm playing for my, you know, playing for a contract essentially. Um, and like about August or so, you know, I started floating the idea out, like looking at how the NBA landscape was coming up and, and the salary cap was increasing. I was like, you know, if the mat, you know, no, and then remembering how important Evan Fournier was to the team, like they played a lot better with Fournier on the floor, and it was hard, it was easy to forget it because he missed so much time throughout the season. Um, but I, I remember floating the idea out there in August, like the Magic should probably try and get Evan Fournier to sign an extension now because he's probably going to be priced out of their price range next summer when he becomes a restricted free agent, and. A lot of that was said with the thought of Victor Oladipo is going to make the star leap. Like he's clearly the guy on this team that can do a lot of do a lot of different things. You know, he's a really versatile player. He gets others involved. He plays good defense. He's the guy that this team should push as their star. And so the Evan Fournier Victor Oladipo debate only and, it, and not debate decision. And do, I, do you I think they would bring them both back? Do you, do you think I that's think, a possibility? I think it's I think it's possible. Um, it depends on what 
number Fournier ends up coming in as and what number Oladipo come, comes in as. Um, and do I, you think... Do you, but do you think... They've got to make decisions on these guys soon. And soon, do you think soon, they this, would like to both come back if they know the other one is coming back, if, if you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, I think... I think Evan would be fine coming back either way. Um, I, I, I would get the sense that Oladipo, because he believes that he can be an all-star and wants to go someplace, uh, that, that he can be one. Obviously, he may not have control over that as a restricted free agent, but um, I, I think he would like to go... I think he wants to be a starter. I think he expects to be a starter. And, you know, I you know I don't think there's much outward frustration, but I think, you know, he. I mean, it, it, I think Skiles has even said it, like, yeah, he'd be a little worried if Oladipo weren't upset that he's coming off the bench of course um, of course you know this I, i've got a question on oladipo okay. by the way go, go for it is he as good defensively as we thought he was going to be coming out of indiana yes i i i think he is um he i mean skiles has said he's he's an all defensive player and and some of that might be pumping up his trying to pump up his confidence and show that he still believes in oladipo as a player but uh when Oladipo really gets down and dirty to play defense, like he he can suffocate you know anyone. Like uh, the the game he, they played the Nets, and I know the Nets aren't the greatest model, but he just destroyed Shane Larkin. Like I, I felt sorry. I mean, Shane Larkin's a local guy in Orlando, and I felt terrible for him because because Oladipo just ate him alive. Like Larkin couldn't do anything, and Oladipo will have just runs of possessions where he just locks his man down. Um, if, if he has a weakness defensively still, and I think it's one that's fairly common for young players, it's that he tends to overhelp and get overaggressive going for steals. Um, mm. He's been a little bit better on, of that on the ball. In help side defense, he'll, he'll suck into the paint a little bit too late and, and be late coming out to the, uh, to the three-point line. Uh, and that... That's hurt the magic on occasion. So they lost a the game to the Hawks because he left Kyle Korver open in the corner for three while he was trying to stop the ball in the paint, which you know was was a mental mistake on his part. He he recognized it after the game. He said that that loss was completely on me. I left Kyle Korver wide open on new, on multiple occasions. Um, yes, because it's never a good digging, idea. I was, because I was digging into the paint. I just forgot who I was playing. But at the same time, you know, yeah, yes, in that individual sense, it was his fault. Um, you know, he made the same mistake a few times and. It was clear to see that he did it, but at the same time, I was like, "Well, if you're playing any other player or any other team, that's exactly what Skiles wants you to do. Um, he wants you to dig into the paint and and rush out to close out. But of of any of the players that have taken to Scott Skiles' defensive scheme and and done everything Skiles has asked on the defensive end, uh, Victor Oladipo's done that. Um, he has been every bit as good defensively as as I think we all imagined he could be. Um, unfortunately, to to be a star in this league and and the way the league is set up and, and the way the Magic's lineup is set up. If, if they had a different point guard, you know, I, I think Oladipo is probably mm-hmm. still starting. It's it's the fact that yeah. Alfred Payton is also really good and really important to this team, and he can't shoot either. And you need you need to have a shooter next to him. And, uh, you know, maybe if the Magic had a three, you could, who was a bit of a better shooter than Tobias Harris, or, um, you know, it, it would help. But, you know, Evan Fournier's shooting is just so valuable to this team that, it's still, even though Fournier's kind of gone through a little bit of a cold spurt lately, it still feels like it's the right decision because Oladipo is just so inefficient at the rim. Um, you know, when you're shooting less than 50% at the rim, it's hard to give you the ball and ask you to use 25%. You use a quarter of the possessions trying to do that. And last thing before that you get me back on topic because no, I'm, no I'm, enjoy- no, no, I'm enjoying is- picking your brain. No, no worries. I'm going to say something that's 
probably going to get me pretty unpopular amongst a lot of fans. Um, Hot take alert. Well, <laughs> if, if I could go back to summer right now, and if I was GM, I wouldn't have hired Scott Brooks. So, sorry, Scott Skiles. I would have hired Scott Brooks. And, you know, I think you'll find people who say that too. Um, I, I don't think that's... I don't think that's controversial. Um, as good as Scott Skiles has been getting this team to this to this level that they're at now, I think a lot of Magic fans still wanted to see a coach that the team could possibly grow. With. I was I was one. I was certainly one. I was one of them. I, I was one. I was someone who was saying, you know, for the Magic, they need they should try and find someone that can grow with the team and be that coach that can not only get them with to a resume for development and winning exactly with both not exactly. just what not just one half which is what scales kind exactly. of resume kind of says exactly. is, now you know i can i can get a team to to play hard and to win and, and, to get to and the, the thing is the, the problem is now is that now the magic are doing well uh, scales is fitting exactly what everyone says he would do oh, yeah. which is oh he'll get the team to play well and compete and now everyone's just waiting for the oh, but it's all going to blow up in his face because yes. you know the, the team are going to outgrow and, him, blah blah blah. And, and that narrative is going to grow and, until and, and until it that, happens. And in fairness to that, um, you know, I think I mean I, I know I said this, and I think a number of other people said this. As long as you know that's what's going to happen, it's fine. It, but you see, the thing is, I don't even know if it will definitely happen. I, I think we have this thing as fans where we always think coaches are the same, right? Okay, you imagine, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a player. You imagine Dirk Nowitzki when he first came in the league, right? Yeah. The first year or two, he didn't do much. But, you know, midway through his career, he's one of the best players in the NBA. Yes. Coaches can develop as well, right? Scott Scales, yes. he's been in Milwaukee. But okay, the thing is, the he's thing been is, in uh, Chicago. I, Has he learned from his mistakes? Is he going to change his approach? Now, can he add that other side of it to himself where not only can he get his team to play hard, but he doesn't alienate his team, he doesn't alienate his staff? You know, I just don't think we should always assume that the same thing is going to happen at the same place, just like no, it did in the no, last place, no, because no, his coach has uh, learned. Certainly, we certainly shouldn't assume it. And, and Skiles waited, his, waited for the right job to come back. Like, he wasn't actively seeking jobs. Um, you know, if people wanted him, they, they came to him. So, um, and, and the Magic have, have a special relationship with Skiles because that's because Skiles played in Orlando for so long. Um, the, okay, yeah, I, again, like, the, the thing with Skiles to me was he's been an NBA coach now for 13 years. Um, you know, I say this about NBA, I say this about NBA players too. Like, at a certain point, you are the player you're going to be. Um, like, People who in like and I'll bring up Dwight again. People who in in Dwight's seventh year were asking him to do more post moves and to to be the slow post threat like Hakeem and all that was I was like guys, he's seven years into the league. He's seven eight years into the league. He is the player he's going to be right now, and he's a he's a damn good player. Asking him to to be something that he's not is not. A, he's not going to live up to that expectation because because it's it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks in the NBA, like especially as you're getting near your peak. It's it's tough to add new things to your game. You can, but it's not ever that maybe necessarily going to be who you are. I mean, even LeBron James. LeBron James worked tirelessly to add a three point shot to become a better three point shooter. But when you look at how teams play him and and you look at how he's playing um, so far this season, he's still not a he's still not a fantastic jump shooter. He's better. 
Um, but you want LeBron James to beat you with his jumper. Um, game, game seven of the 2013 NBA Finals was one of the most brilliant performances I've ever seen because San Antonio pretty much laid, they had Boris Dial laying off of him saying, LeBron, take as many 12, you know, 15, 18 foot mid-range jumpers that you want. We're going to, we're just going to contest those and not let you get into the paint. And they did that all game and LeBron just made every single one, especially in that fourth quarter, just made every single one. And the Spurs were okay living, living with that. Because the numbers, the numbers, and and the odds say that he's not going to make that shot. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, you look at you look at him now. He he he's the worst shooter in mid range in the NBA right now. And that's still the way that you let him beat you. That's still the way. That's still the way you defend him. And like to bring the comparison back to Skiles, he's been a coach for thirteen years. Um, he's obviously had a successful track record, or he wouldn't keep getting jobs. Um, he's doing exactly what the Magic asked him to do. And so, yes, there will come a time when the Magic, you know, make it, when the Magic make the playoffs and they're ready to take that next step. That that, that question is going to come up, and maybe Skiles does this time take that step forward. Um, the odds are that he's not. That's 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 all we have to go off of is 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 past result is past results. And yes, past results are are no prediction predictor of of, of future outcomes, but. That's more than likely what's going to happen. Coaches have a three-year shelf life anyway. Like the, the average coach is is there for three years. So yeah, I mean you're gonna we're gonna have to ask these questions again later. But for now, Skiles has worked out. He's brought the accountability. He's done everything that he's done in Phoenix and Milwaukee and Chicago before before he came to Orlando, um, and and he's gotten this team to competitiveness. And if that's the role, and I I, I, I forget who said this. It might have been it might have been on the on the Ion Basketball podcast uh, with with Matt Moore and Zach Harper. Uh, on CBS Sports, uh, certain coaches just have that role. Their role is, I'm going to make this team better and get them to the playoffs. And that's just my role as a coach. I'm not the championship coach. Some coaches aren't championship coaches. Some coaches are the development coaches. Some coaches are the get you to the playoff coaches. Some coaches are the championship coaches. Um, Scott Skiles may just be a get you to the playoffs coaches coach. And that's, that's fine. Teams need that. The Magic need that. And, and so that's kind of where they were at. And I think that's – and Skiles, I think there was a nostalgic pull, whether the, the Magic don't want to admit it. But I do think that um, his tie to the, to, the, to the DeVos family and to, the, and to the Magic organization got him on Rob Hennigan's desk. And, and, and then I think Rob Hennigan decided independently that, yes, Scott Skiles is the guy we want. Um, mm-hmm. of, of the candidates we looked at, and, and Scott Brooks might have been one of them, and I don't think Scott Brooks would have been a bad choice at all. I think he got a bad he got a bad rap in, in Oklahoma City. Um, Agreed. His, he made that team play defense, so he he would have done a lot of the same things I think he would have done in Orlando. Um, I don't think he would have been as successful because the talent level obviously isn't the same, but um, I think he would have been a, a solid choice too. But you know, any coach that Magic would have hired, we'd be asking these questions after after about two three years, saying, okay, you've gotten this team to competitiveness. How do we get that team to championship competitiveness? And and that's that's a tough step up for a lot of coaches. Like, you know, I'll, 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 I'm, 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 I'll freely say this. Phil Jackson is not a get you to the playoff coach. Um, although he did get those 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 post Shaq Lakers to the playoffs. A lot of that was talent with Kobe. Um, mm-hmm. He's a championship coach. He makes teams championship. He makes good teams great teams. Yeah, um, and he'll make he'll make bad teams good teams, but 
he's not necessarily a development coach. Like, like a lot of people in Orlando, especially, were saying, oh, they should have kept Stan Van Gundy for the rebuild. He would have been really good for those guys. I'm not sure about that. I, I don't know how Stan Van Gundy would handle a rebuild and handle a lot of young guys making mistakes because that's not how he's made up. He's he's a coach that should be coaching in the play, a playoff team and trying to make them great. That's the kind of coach he is. Um, it's been interesting to watch him in Detroit um, with, with this team and kind of have to show some patience and deal with some losing because that's not necessarily the coach I think he is. And, and that's just kind of the way the league works almost. It, there, there are stepping stone coaches. Um, Jacques Vaughn was the coach you have at the beginning of your rebuild to hold, to hold guys' hands. Scott Skiles is the coach that gets you to the, gets you to the playoffs. And some other coach might be the coach that wins them a championship. I mean, that's, that's just kind of the way I think things work. No, I, th- no I, th- I think you made some really good points there. Right. So I'm going to hit you with some of the best things about NBA London for okay, the Orlando Magic. Let's, let's, okay? let's, do, let's do that to, to, to close things off here because I know, I know you got to go. I've, I've got some things I got to do as well. So let's let, hit, me, hit me with the best things. What, what, hit, the, hit me with the best things for NBA London. So number one, the Magic are going to probably get two, two full practices in, which during the NBA season is like gold dust. All right? Yes. They've been going through a defensive slump recently. Alfred Payton said at the Pacers game of the day that he's going to be, he should be ready to play in NBA London. So they're going to get him back. They're going to be able to integrate him back into the team. They're going to be able to kind of work on some of those defensive issues. And hopefully that can kind of really kind of re-kickstart their defense for the rest of the season. So that's number one. Number two is even though you have tired minds, it is like a little mini all-star break. It is a rest of the body. You only have one game. And you've got, you know, five, six, seven days that you're in London. I'm not sure how many days it is um, either side of it for that only game. I know the Raptors, it's their only game in nine days. It's it's such a a break for them. I'm not sure what it is for the Magic. But anyway, the Magic's last game will be Saturday. They play the Wizards at home Saturday. um, And and then they don't play another game until Thursday. So it'll be five days. Five days. So again, you're going to get a little bit of the rest of the bodies, which is going to help. And number three, with you, with the team going, I think, is it the second worst losing streak in the East right now or something like that? With them going on the slump, it's going to be nice for them to get away, to get out of it, to kind of have a little bit of a fresh approach in it. They'll get out of kind of the, the rhythm of the NBA season where you can find yourself, you go from losing two games in a row to seven and you don't know what's happened. It's, you know, games coming thick and fast. I think it'll be good for them to get out of that. So I, I think this actually comes for a good time for, for the Magic. And a lot of the time, the younger teams seem to do well at NBA London. The, the veteran teams kind of don't really want to be there. The younger teams are eager. They bond really well. Um, that You know, I read Vukovic's Q&A when I listened to that, that... Brazil was kind of a really good bonding experience for the team. And I think that can be the same for NBA London again. So I I think there's some really good points for the magic that they can take from the trip. Um, It's never been a close game in London just yet. I think for whatever reason, one, one team just struggles. I think halfway through the game, if, if you're down, there's kind of a lack of fight because there's no home court advantage for either team. And, also, you've you've tripped, you've travelled all that way. You're down at the half, and you kind of bit. You're a bit like, let's just get this over and done with, and let's get back to the US. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think, but there, I think there's some definitely some good things for the Magic to come from from the NBA London trip. Yeah, and I, and, and like looking at the schedule, I think it does come at a very very good and and, and a very important time for the team. Uh, you know, the, it it does feel a little bit like the season is 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 teetering a, a little bit with with the way they played recently, and so. 
you know, getting a chance, I, th- I, I think you're right, getting a chance to kind of reset everything, um, have kind of a training camp attitude. They'll, they'll, they actually will practice Monday before heading off, heading over to London um, is what they're scheduled to do. Uh, so they'll, they'll have a couple days of practice, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before Thursday's game uh, to get ready. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be working out some jet lag as well. Uh, but it, it, it is a big opportunity uh, for, for this group to, to, to kind of reset things, get another training camp feel, get a little re-energized. Um, I think getting a win in, in this game would be really big for them uh, moving forward. A, because Toronto is a pretty good team. Uh, uh, you know, actually, I think I looked this up. Toronto is the only team the Magic have beaten that is currently above 500. Uh, so it, it, wow. it is a very, you know, it is an opponent that they've played well against in the past even. Um, even though Toronto's beaten them pretty handily on a few occasions with Kyle Lowry going nuts, but um, this is this is a game I think they feel like they they can win, they can prove themselves a little bit, and and they can build some momentum um, heading heading into the rest of the season. Um, you know, I I know the Magic will hope for a win on Friday and Saturday as well on both very both winnable games. You know, at Brooklyn, a team they've beaten twice already, and Washington, a team that they've come close to beating a few times uh, but haven't beaten. For several years now, and I know that that's that's a game that that should mean a lot to them uh, as a divisional opponent. Uh, so, uh, definitely, definitely some opportunity, uh, definitely a, a chance to, to to move forward and 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 show off the game again. I, I think that's that's you know ultimately what the NBA wants, and, and hopefully they can put on a good show and and uh, get get back on the on the right foot. Uh, James, uh, tell everyone where they can can follow you on Twitter and and, and exact and, and and all the sites you write for. I know you'll be writing for us. You'll be writing for Raptors HQ uh, for the London game. You write for the Lottery, Lottery Mafia. Where, where can where can people find you? You can find me at at J Plowright underscore NBA Plowright spelled P L O W R I G H T. Um, then you can also find me, like I said, SB Nation, Raptors HQ, where I'll be having the Raptors side of NBA London, Orlando Magic Daily for the Magic Take, then as well as that, my own site, Lottery Mafia, and then also Queen City Hoops as well, the ESPN Tree Hoop Network. Um, so you can find me at all these places at various days and times. Um, I should be tweeting out a lot of stuff next week. Um, I think I'm really going to try and focus to try and get some one-on-one time with the likes of Andrew Nicholson, Aaron Gordon, Hazonia, if I can, maybe some Tyler Harvey as well. If if he goes, Tyler, Tyler Harvey's Tyler Harvey's in Erie. He 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 didn't sign with the Magic this year. This year did he not? No, okay. they they decided to uh, they decided put to him keep, a year in the D League. Yeah, give him a year in the D League. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so if you can, I, if, you can if you can get twenty words out of Andrew Nicholson, I'll be very impressed though. Well, the thing is, <laughs> the, the likes of Fournier and Harris and those guys, Vukovic, that they'll all yeah. be surrounded by media. Yeah. Um, they normally be boring questions. I'm going to try to go for more some of the odd guys who I can generally get one on one. So hopefully get some some interesting stuff with a bit more personality in the answers, not just scripted answers. Which a lot when you've got a, a big group of media around, you just get the same old blurb, which they'll give to you know, yes. oh, it's a great experience to come out to London, blah blah blah. But you, you gotta um, get it. Like, you gotta get it. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'll I'll be tweeting a lot of stuff out. I'll be posting a lot of stuff out online and Magic Daily. So. Uh, yeah, make sure make sure you check back. It should be it should be a good week. Yeah, and and we're happy to have you on board for for this week, James, and and looking forward to your coverage as the team heads out to London next week. Uh, we still got some we still got some work to do before before we head out before everyone heads out there. But uh, looking looking forward to have looking forward to having you on board, James. And and thanks for coming on and answering some questions about about uh, the London perspective and 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 the NBA London game. I know everyone is again really excited for this for this game and this opportunity. And before I go, I just want to do a shout out for um, 
The Magic fans are apparently having kind of a meeting on TGI Fridays at the O2 Arena prior to the London game. They're meeting around 3 to 4 p.m. I've had a few people get in touch with me asking if I can kind of help promote that. Want to get as many UK Magic fans at TJ Fridays on the day of the game as possible. Meet up, chat about the team, go watch the team together afterwards at the game. Everyone enjoy it. I will I will definitely schedule a tweet tweet out for that as well. I definitely want to try and get Magic fans together. I know I, I know I have a lot of UK followers. Um, a lot of them have told me how excited they are for this game. And so if we can get if we can Get, get a photo of that Magic community together. Send that to omagicdaily uh, at gmail.com or, or tweet it at me at omagicdaily. That would be fantastic. I'd love, I'd love to see that. I love seeing uh, the Magic fans everywhere um, around the world, I guess, um, and, and all that. Uh, so uh, closing out here, uh, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich of Orlando Magic Daily. Thank you guys for listening to the Orlando Magic Daily podcast. Remember, the Magic play the Toronto Raptors in London Thursday, uh, January 14th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. So that would be 8.30 uh, English, England time, right? London time. Is it Greenwich Mean Time? Greenwich Mean Time. Greenwich that's Mean right. Time. The original time. Because um, that's where the, the Meridian is. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, that, that the game will be very – the game should be a very, very good one. Obviously a very important one and uh, a great opportunity to showcase some basketball uh, in, in a market that, that doesn't have a lot of basketball. Uh, for, for James, uh, again, this has been Philip. Thank you guys for listening to the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. You can now catch us on the Hardwood Paroxysm Basketball Network of podcasts. Uh, thanks, thanks to them for, for helping us out and hosting us. And hopefully uh, everyone nationwide enjoys, enjoys a little Magic discussion, a little NBA London discussion as well. Uh, so everyone here at Orlando Magic Daily, uh, eventually I'll close this out. Thanks for listening to the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. We will catch you next time. Place with the helpful hardware folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.